You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McCuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is a podcast from comedianscomedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. Uh, This interview was recorded during the Melbourne International Comedy Festival whilst I was on tour with Jimmy McGee and the wonderful Tom Allen. We've started together years ago. Yes, yes. Um, In the, the famous 2005... Millican Bridges, Alan Wilkinson, Stuart Goldsmith, Goldsmith. <laughs> and Josh Thomas. others. Josh Thomas, of course. Jesus. Um, so I've seen you develop all over the place. I've seen your. I've seen your work fairly regularly. Yeah. Um, this is none of it. This is always a problem. Okay, scrap all that. <laughs> um, the, you the, no, the problem I have is that whenever I do it with people who I know well, I never know where to start. I just kind of go. Blah, 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 oh, don't worry. Um, yeah, so, yes, you've known me for a long time. <laughs> I was just enjoying that. I was bathing in that feeling of like, yes, dear, what else, what else? Let's start with your persona on stage. Okay. Because, that, that, and we can, we can root that in when we all started together, when we were all in those competitions together in 2005. Yeah. And something I was going to do, but I didn't, I didn't get a chance to do, um, was to listen back to the BBC New Talent Oh right, thing yeah, that we were yeah, in yeah, two thousand four yeah. or five. Yeah, me and Jimmy were in the same one as you. Right, yeah. and I got the recording on my phone. Oh. and I, we were listening to it in Adelaide, going, "Oh yeah, do you remember that?" And he was kind of going, "Oh, oh shame faced," as he put the boot into uh, the judges, uh, memorably. Oh, I'm, Jimmy did. Yeah, Jimmy did. Yes, yeah. I remember Brilliant. that. Yeah, I, I'll play it to you later I on. Say, but, I didn't do that, did I? No, no you didn't. I don't remember that. But yeah. I remember you coming to comedy with your persona pretty much fully formed. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't. I don't see much of a like. There's. I think your jokes are better. You're far more confident, and you've got a lot more mm-hmm. sort of angles and things like that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of your persona, is it? And, and I'm aware that your persona on stage is not a hundred miles away from how you deal with everyday life. Oh, that's good to hear. Um, is, is that good? Think, is that positive? Yeah, I think uh, that I've always been quite aware of sort of having a uh, a, a take on things, maybe, or a. a a personality type that is quite specific. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I think I felt like I've become more confident with that as I've got a bit older, I suppose. Sure. There's so much to do with age, I think, as well, in comedy. Like, the older you are, the more 
just the, the more life experience you have and the more content you feel to go, yeah, I'm, all not, I'm allowed to be here. I'm when you scared of it. Yeah, when, when you talk about um, being at school, you've been talking a lot about yes, school in, yeah. your, in your latest stuff. Um, I have a vision of you, the fully formed Tom Allen that I see on stage with the blazer and the brooch mm-hmm. and the pocket square, mm-hmm. of that kid walking around school. Yes. Was it like that? How yes. were you in school? Uh, a bit like that. I mean, at first that was very difficult because, and I think I reference it a bit, um, in that I think other kids can be very cruel and very, uh, I don't know if it's like a human instinct thing, but if somebody's different or outside of the pack, the instinct sure. is to distrust that. And I don't know quite what made me so different. I think when I was, when I was a very young kid, I always sort of had a feeling of being different. And I don't know if that's to do with being gay or not, but I guess that probably adds to it as well, that you sort of feel different mm-hmm. um, in some way and you're not quite sure what it is. And so, and it takes you a while to figure out what that, what that actually means. But um, yeah, I, I certainly always felt different. I don't know if it was a way of me maybe demonstrating that I, of how I felt that I would dress strangely. Okay. Um, so how did, you, how did you arrive upon comedy? Because I always liked um, performing and I always liked uh, uh, being an actor and I did like plays and things at school and I had some great teachers who were very encouraging to me and, um, and, and I think I found that very frustrating because actually I knew that I had a stance on things. Mm. To be an actor you sort of like, they're like, well we need someone to do this thing in our thing. Sure. And so you have to be on, on, on their terms. But as a comedian, you're on your own terms, essentially. Yes. Um, and I think as I got older, I realised that I did actually really love stand-up and I really loved comedy. But I always loved... I didn't... I, I always loved, like, obscure people. I never loved, like, Bill Hicks, for example. I'd sure. never listened to Bill Hicks as a kid or something. Okay. I'd always listen to, like, Victoria Wood or I'd listen to um, Frankie Howard or Kenneth Williams or something okay. like that who had a stand-up... Uh, raconteur-y um, skill yes. that wasn't, you know, isn't really recognised in clubs, which are often very machismo places. The comedy scene, I think, can often be a very macho place. Sure. And I was always interested in people who just had something peculiar to say. Yes. Because I guess I related to that. Yes, okay. Yeah, I, one of the notes I made while I was watching the other night was uh, that the structure of your work is very much a story. Even though it isn't an A to B story, <clears throat> nor is it really, hey, here's what I think about this. There is a lot of attitude in it, there's a lot of opinion in it, but yeah. it's couched in so the other day. Right, yeah, yeah, I really like that. Um, and I try, I mean, I, I, I think I am honest as well about something. I try and tell a story as honestly as I can without sort of reframing it and going, oh, well, you know, and then everybody's head exploded. Yeah, uh, sure. You know, um, I try and tell it as realistically as possible because I think audiences do like that. Um, and they do, the audiences do trust that and actually feel more invested in it if it is peculiar, but but real. Um, uh, I, yeah, I like the idea of people talking to each other. I've always liked talking um, and I've always liked uh, interacting with people. And I think that maybe comes from feeling quite lonely as a child a lot of the time. Okay. Um, and feeling quite isolated. Do, uh, do you think that? Do you think those feelings reflect the truth of your situation? Were you lonely and isolated, or, or was that something you did to yourself, or was it? Maybe I did to myself, but I found, I did find it very difficult to um, to just uh, sort of yeah, kind of jump in and, and be kind of like surrounded by friends at times. Sure. And so I think I always liked the idea of peculiar people who were either dead or were on the television, yes. being eccentric, and I liked. 
uh, hearing their stories about their world. I think sort of empowering somehow. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, look, there's. A, I'm not. It's not weird to be a bit weird. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah okay. there's a strange validation in it, and I think that's what I find with comedy now that I like is that someone like Maria Bamford talking about sort of mm. kind of going sort of talking about feeling lonely or feeling peculiar, strange or having weird kind of fantasies or childish instincts um, is really powerful because it's not joke format it's not yeah. this this and then this it's um, it's just it's, it's actually somebody's experience of life and I think yeah it's like an outpouring of someone's soul isn't it that's yeah yeah exactly and I, and I think there's, there are theories aren't there about what makes actually makes people laugh and I think that um, my favourite one is that it's about going um, someone going I feel a thing and then the other people laughing because they want to sort of reach out and go, yes, I feel that too. Yes, sure, okay. And it's kind of a again a human instinct thing to do with the pack that you're like, yes, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm with you on that. We're, you know, we're still, we're still in the same boat. We're still yes. in the same pack. We're still in a community, which I think is the big human thing. Is that that's why human beings are the most powerful animals on the planet is because they are, can form communities and you know sure. relate to each other sure and just going back to the childhood thing you've got a lovely line in your show at the moment which is that you know, you know I didn't get on with other kids at school because I told them all that I was an emperor <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's lovely because there's something about um, there's something about your persona on stage that is and I, I think I've maybe said this to other, other guests on the show before it's not that it's cartoonish. I don't mean. I don't mean that it's broad. Sure. But it's a little bit like we're watching you, thinking, "What's he going to do next?" You know, it's like this strip of. It's like <laughs> almost like a. I said this before. I think about Mickey Flanagan. I feel like right, it's a yeah. comic strip where we see him walking along, and it's like, "What am I going to get up to next?" <laughs> do you know what I mean? I, I, I know. When, when you talk yeah. about telling the kids at school you're an emperor, I can absolutely see you in sort of a gold turban. It's like an eight-year-old <laughs> going imagining people to do your bidding. Um. Yes, yes. <laughs> I just I don't know why that's so why that's such a rich image. I think maybe it's that your that what you're articulating on stage has a lot of truth in it. Yeah. We we, oh, we well, get when you say I'm different, we we get you, we believe that you're different. Well, yeah, and I think that was it was such a weird thing that I sort of when I thought of that line thought like this isn't part like this doesn't fit any concept of what a stand up should be saying on stage in terms of jokes. Sure. It's just a thing and I said it because I do remember being fascinated with, um, like, high-status people. Yes, uh, yes. I was fascinated by the film Flash Gordon okay. and Emperor Ming and, and, and kind of, yeah, and people... I think that's, again, to do with wanting to feel in control when you're not quite sure of yourself or you feel insecure as a young person. Yes. You've, you like high-status people because... Um, because I don't know they have control over their environment okay. a bit like I suppose that's why I really enjoyed watching Carry On films as well because Kenneth Williams always plays high status yes. you know, he's always like the, he's always the head doctor at the hospital yes I see okay uh, and, and so I, yeah so um, I'm probably rambling here and not making any no, sense no 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 that does sorry go on no no I think, I think that does make sense because I, I get that kind of the empowerment of, of being a high status person but there's also something you 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 play with status on stage or what, what, what mm -hmm. you do on stage ends up playing with status because I, I think audiences feel a tremendous love for you and we don't, we don't see you as being a sort of, uh, in a traditionally high status kind of leader role but yeah. then you do occupy this kind of other thing where people are people want to cuddle you I think you know <laughs> I, think, oh, I do I yeah. certainly want to cuddle you on stage it's oh. like you're high status but you're also 
you're also like our child that we want to oh. preserve and look after. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I do it. I do yeah. it to uh, try and secure my own protection if there was a nuclear war. I, um, uh, yeah, I think, well, that's nice of you to say. I, I feel like that you were very encouraging to me actually on this trip. You and Jimmy have been uh, great friends to me uh, on, on this trip, but also in the past as well in terms of going... Um, of, of going no people do get that because my instinct is always to go if I say something weird no one's going to understand that or if I wear a brooch sure. people are going to hate me sure um, and actually both you guys have been very good at going no no we like that people like that yeah go with it take it to the next take it as far as you want to take it sure and, uh, and you said to me the other day which I was very pleased about that um, I always worry that when I walk out there people go the audience goes oh he he's a prick I hate him yeah and uh and so my instinct's always been that I have to like do something very early on that's like I'm stupid I'm just like you I'm stupid okay. I'm, you know I'm just like you but I'm worse than you um, and, and then they'll be like yeah we're better than him so we can now watch him but actually I, you know you've been, you've sort of gone like no people get who you are as a yeah. person and they trust you and they like you so that's very empowering I think because you do want to feel like uh, as a performer and as a, as a writer ultimately you want to feel like you can talk about whatever you want mm. and you need to feel confident and empowered to do that and I think like I had a conversation with um, the American comedian Eugene Merman and he said like all any comedian can do is just tell tell audiences how they see the world from their shoes mm-hmm. I think it's a really nice simple way of putting it is that like you have to be specific about it you have to show that it's your view of the world mm. You have to be brave about that. That's a good point, actually. There's a lot of quite non-specific comedy, isn't there? I, I suppose that's what gets up people's <coughs> noses, reviewers and so forth, when, you know, there are certain reviewers who, in the UK, for example, mm-hmm. who people might go, oh, God, they, they're only ever satisfied when something's really kind of weird and edgy and difficult. I suppose it's because there's an awful lot of non-specific or sort of generic observation. Yeah, which I always find can, you know, can be fun as well but mm. I, I really love it when somebody goes you know like oh I, I, I don't know I'm trying to think of an example of something that, that somebody else would do but like yeah I cry in supermarkets or something you know like something yes. weird is actually really and beautiful because th- it's brave because it's a really brave thing to do to go actually I've got this thing I've got this problem I've got this worry yeah, yeah. that's just mine and I'm embarrassed to tell everybody uh, and I'm going to keep it to myself because otherwise if I tell people they might resent they might push me out of the group I yes. might not you know find a boyfriend a girlfriend whatever sure. but when somebody goes ah I am um, uh, you know I, sometimes I punch myself in the face just to feel alive you go oh my god that's so like brave yes. I love that yes we really appreciate the risk the risk the risk yeah. exactly and I think that's but that's why I, I am very grateful to you guys and for, for that encouragement and I think it's so important that comedians especially identify as as, as artists who are entitled to support because I think often it can feel very um, combative yeah. a lot some comedy, comedy environments and some sort of tones and and I think I, that's why I get very, very angry uh, at the idea of <clears throat> excuse me, uh, anybody in the uh, industry, whatever that means, yeah. uh, or anybody in, in the media who slates somebody's, you know, who tries to demean somebody or tries to undermine somebody's yeah. confidence creatively or shame them and kind of go, that wasn't funny. Why did you do that? You, yeah. you know, and I, I, I dare say a lot of people have had experience of that. And I, I get very angry about that the older I get because I think it's so important to n- nurture and nourish and, 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 and really care for anybody who's putting themselves out there. Yes. Because it, it is a brave thing. And, they, and if, you, if you 
um, smash someone in the face, they won't do it again. You know, like they, yes, won't, they, won't, yes. they won't. They won't have the confidence then to try anything else. They'll just go into their. Uh, they'll go into a safe space, which will be generic. Yes, and uh, you know, uh, yeah. So I think I've I've just done the um, the artist's way. Um, yes, you mentioned this before. Tell us about that. Well, it's. I think a lot of people are doing it at the moment, and um, my friend Eleanor Tom, uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, who is a very dear friend of mine and a great inspiration, uh, is, uh, recommended that I do it because I was feeling very uh, blocked in terms mm-hmm. of writing, and 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 she suggested doing it. And basically, the tenets of it largely are: get up every day, write three pages of stream of consciousness writing. Gotcha. Don't censor yourself. Don't. Um, you can write complaints about yourself. You can slander yourself. Whatever you want, mm. and. Uh, and it does two things. It parks all of that negativity or all those worries and thoughts mm-hmm. in one place so you can get on with the day. But it also means that you've already done three pages of writing before you've done yeah. anything else. And, um, and and I think the antidote to any uh, inertia, inertia, is that the mm-hmm. right word where you don't do anything? Um, or any sort of feeling of being blocked or any depression is, is largely action, isn't it? It's largely like take the first step, put the key yes. in the door. Um, you know, just the smallest step towards doing something is, is usually what takes people out of it. Yeah. Uh, and it's sort of, it's a, it talks about building a relationship with yourself and it talks about respecting your creativity. And it's, I mean, I suppose a lot of people will go like, ah, oh, what a load of crap. But I think, again, a lot of people feel very scared of the idea of going, well, I'm a human being yes. as well as a performer or a comedian. Yes. Um, and I'm entitled to feel protective of that. Like a shopkeeper is allowed to put shutters on his shop. Yes. That shop. Uh, because... Um, they're protecting their product and, and as creative people we should feel the same I like the idea of being entitled to support that's not anything I've heard anyone say on the, on the show before oh, but right. I think that's a really good point I think um, uh, what was I going to say oh yeah the, the, like you said if, if you smash someone in the face they won't do it again like I, I wonder how many of the people that might be derided now by younger acts as, as being commercial club Right. Hacks, for want of a better word, right. or maybe not hacks, but you know those kind of powerhouse, sure, you know, jonglers or highlight closers of, of yeah. t- ten years ago, say, yeah, who maybe now don't seem to be uh, sort of exciting comics, right? And yeah. I wonder whether that was because, or in part because, they weren't supported, and it is a macho. Almost a very violent in that in inverted yeah, commas environment yeah, I, I, to have to go out and win every night, yeah, with yeah. no support, with no one <laughs> saying it's okay not to win because in those environments it isn't okay not to win. You have to win, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or we think that you do that, you know. I guess yeah. you do to get paid to get rebooked, yeah. So I sure, wonder sure. how much to, to what extent that that type of comedy is a result of not having a caring enough support network. Uh, I imagine very much so, yeah, mm. um, and I think that. Of, of course it's difficult and I think it's difficult to it's scary to sort of go no I want to do something different and people go well what is it and you go well I don't know uh, that's hard mm. but that is what I think is, is, is what's necessary sometimes but um, our society generally isn't very good with failure mm. uh, and isn't very good with um, trying stuff out or not or the grey area in between so if something's not a definite thing yes I think society generally is a bit like we don't like it we don't like it and it's not it's rubbish it's broken I hate it sure um, and I think that often yeah and I think that audiences in certain environments can be uh, can be very scary and and I think as well uh, audiences sometimes react very strongly if they don't like a comedian or if they feel like they're worried about a comedian actually mm. I think that happens mm. a lot is that if you get up there and um, 
and the audience goes, oh, I'm worried about this person. The res- that, yes. that can be a really w- sort of unu- unexpected, strange, difficult thing yes. in comedy. Um, it only takes the slightest little nudge to get in the way of that incredibly... That, that, the, the two plates over which the spark of a joke has to leap you yeah, mean, to yeah. make it work. It only takes just a tiny little shift to, to make that... Yeah, you know that that little that alchemy can't happen. That yeah, reaction yeah, can't yeah. happen. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because if if the person is scared or is showing that they're scared, mm. um, uh, and so uh, I th- yeah, I, I wonder. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but about the comedians from ten years ago and that environment. But I think that for me, like the best comedy environments are the ones that celebrate all the details and the quirks and mm. you know. And I think we've had experiences of that mm. in Melbourne Melbourne audiences have been very welcoming to us and yes. kind of there's days when I spe- there seems to be a big crowd of energetic people who love even the smallest little detail they go, oh they sort of treasure yes that. yes um, that's true actually yeah um, but that, I think you know that requires I don't know a certain mentality maybe and maybe some more, some audience people audience members find that very difficult to kind of celebrate something that they find Mm. great and and prefer to go with the generic because it feels safer. How much do I love Tom Allen? He's amazing. He's such a good comedian. He's such a good, kind, supportive man. He's got a razor-sharp wit, and if you haven't seen him, you absolutely must. We didn't really have time to talk about Bleak Expectations, which is a radio series that Tom is in, and he's done so much other, so many other bits of work as well, particularly, I mean, as you can tell from his, his amazingly rich voice, um, he's much in demand in the world of radio, so you can track down uh, lots and lots of different bits and bobs that Tom has done. We focus here, uh, as ever, mostly on his stand-up, and I think this is... I, I, I think I mentioned in this show uh, that some of my, some of my favourite moments of the tour uh, that I've uh, recently completed with Tom and Jimmy um, were just little moments in the, in the corridor before going on stage, just little moments where I'd have, I'd have come off, Tom had come off, and we'd be waiting to go back on for the, uh, the uniquely uh, exciting curtain call that one does on the Mary Tobin Presents gigs, uh, which is quite a fabulous thing. Um, but Tom would... Just be so giving, so generous with his time, and really brave in his critique of of my work, of his own work, and they just made for some really fascinating conversations. I think we've really got the spirit of those conversations here. So uh, that's all I'll say about this. I'll let it speak for itself, uh, as usual. Um, other than to say, if you haven't seen Tom Allen, you really, really must. There are some moments, actually, in this interview that in the editing, uh, I went back and took out me endlessly quoting his material. I left a few in as well, but I thought that's not the purpose of this podcast, is to, is to quote loads of Tom's material. But it, I found it difficult to talk to him without going, oh, and there's that amazing bit where you say this, or that wonderful bit where you say that. So there we go. This, this is the fabulous Tom Allen. Um, in other news, I'm afraid I've fixed, I've now, I've now, I'm happy to say I've now fixed a broken link uh, that was on the site, uh, that was on the, the Facebook page and consequently the website. So you can now find at comedianscomedian.com in the, the lower central box there, there's a link to the, the Facebook page for the podcast, uh, which now has the link for the Benny Boot podcast, uh, the live show on 29th of May, Wednesday the 29th of May, shortly after I get back from uh, the final leg of my Antipodean tour. 
Um, and so tickets now available for that. Uh, plenty of tickets left. I, I thought they were selling fast, and then I realised the, the link was broken, so I was I misinformed myself. But you must come along and see Benny Boot. I think that one is going to be a really, really entertaining night. So apologies to all those of you who emailed me and said that you couldn't get tickets. Um, the link is now up there and fully functional. Anything else to say? I've had some emails. I've had some great emails, some tweets and stuff, and I suppose I keep promising to read some of them out. Um, and I very rarely get round to doing that. I've had some great ones. I try and re- respond to them all. Um, but uh, anyway, I'm I'm super busy. I'm here in New Zealand on a tour of the North Island uh, with some fabulous British comedians, as well as Tom Gleeson, an Australian actor who I didn't get a chance to, to see or interview when I was in Australia. Hopefully, uh, he's agreed to be on the show, so hopefully we'll get that to you soon. Uh, a couple more absolute doozies already in the can that will be coming up in the next few weeks. So uh, I hope you look forward to them. Info at comedianscomedian.com if you'd like to get in contact with me or you can tweet me at comcompod uh, let's get back to the wonderful Mr. Tom Allen A lot can happen in three years like a chatbot may be your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states Learn more at UH1.com Here's a cool fact A crocodile can't stick out its tongue Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs> so when you walk out on stage looking and sounding as you do Mm -hmm. are you saying that you're that there's some part of you i think you said earlier that there's some part of you wants to 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 what not necessarily to be the high status but to, to prove that you can be stupid almost to be a low status person so that they know I think you're it was daft. for a long time it was for a time okay. but then in the last I would say probably in the last six months I felt like I am more uh, I, I feel more strongly that I'm like oh no well the right people will will get it will like, like me and listen mm. to me and I don't have to I think for a long time I felt like I had to apologise I think that's what I, I'm, I was saying I'm trying to say sure that I was trying that I felt like I had to say I'm sorry I'm here but let's just make the best of it why would you need to apologise because I'd be wasting their time or because I'd be um, sort of confusing them or I'm sort of too different and kind of weird and they'll be like why are you doing this why aren't you telling us jokes okay those sort of insecurities okay like but I mean you you recognise that you have got loads of jokes Yes, now I do. Sure. And now I recognise that. I mean, you always did. You always did. When you used to, I mean, the, the earliest joke of yours I remember was um, uh, the thing about, uh, you know, you about your parents talking to you. Mm-hmm. And then the thing was, I can't remember which way around it was. It was like, oh, don't go out, coffee. You know, then that was just yeah. my dad. Or, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, I mean, you had sort of proper jokes from an early age in your comedy career. Um, I suppose, yeah, I suppose so. I think it's, um, yeah, I think it's taken me a time to kind of realise what like what are jokes as well that sounds sure. weird okay. but I always thought like of funny things mm-hmm. or quir- quirks and details and sort of stuff um, but I, I people, always, people always say you've got to write more jokes you've got to have jokes well, yes. you, you know not necessarily to me but generally yeah 
And, uh, and for a long time, I was like, well, I don't, what do you mean jokes? Like, knock-knock jokes or something. And then I realised, like, jokes are just something, something that's just funny. It's just a thing. Anything yes. that's funny. Anything that generates a laugh is basically a joke. Out of 10. Yeah, a joke. Yeah, yeah, a joke. yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and once I realised that, I, I, feel, I felt like, oh, okay, I can do that, yeah. Yeah, because you absolutely well, can. You, you've got so many little, um, almost like kind of flourishes in your work there's in between the stories and the setups and the punchlines you've got loads of um, uh, uh, like uh, when you put your foot up on the speaker stack up on the monitor oh, yeah. and try it out <clears throat> and then go oh this doesn't suit me at all which of course I do spontaneously yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but those things seem to me to come from a very secure place oh. that you have that you, you know you, you radiate the confidence that you could just I'll try, you know, you, it's almost like you can try something out because you know that you can then go, oh, that wasn't, I wasn't very good at that. Like you, you were talking to the audience last night or the night before and you said, well, this is the end of the audience interaction bit, which I know I've heard that line before that you, you chat to them. Yes. However, I mean, it often goes very well yeah. and then you go, oh, that's the end of the audience interaction bit. I'm shit at it. It's ghastly, isn't it? <laughs> and move on. You know what I mean? Yes. So, so it's almost like you give yourself this, this, safety net whereby you can be brilliant at something or or it can you know you can take a risk like putting your foot on the monitor or whatever because yeah. you know that you can come back to a place of going oh well that wasn't very good well and I, there's something about the way you you criticize yourself that's really warm and funny as well oh, thank you well yeah i started doing the audience interaction line uh of saying that i hate audience interaction uh about i think well sort of doing it to the extent about a week ago mm. and i think it's one of those things that it's just I think it's a nice thing because maybe it plays with the idea of like this facade is not real like this, yes, whole, like this yeah, whole environment that we're all in yeah. is not real and that like I can talk to you know and that everything is is, is breakable everything is, is sure you know and I think audiences maybe like that idea of like oh it doesn't have to be like you know like yes. Sort of with, yes I mean I'm saying that like I calculated it in some intellectual manner sure um, I didn't I just went oh I'll just say that now yeah. Because it's sort of true. Yeah. And, but then uh, there's definitely, I think there's something that's, the the, uh, the choices we make are guiding all of us, aren't they? So you could, you know, even yeah. though you didn't calculate that, you recognise the pleasure in that thing that you're articulating now. Yeah. And would attempt to repeat it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, I th- yeah, I think just playing with things like that is, is just interesting. I think I did it in my first set, actually, where I told quite a long story and then uh, it built and then it, concluded and then I sort of then said well anyway that's one story I hope you liked it basically I went to work in a restaurant I didn't like it so I left I remember that I loved it and um, (laughs) um, it was a long like it was like a five minute story and then it went back at the end and I just kind of like that idea of going like that was really important to me but nothing matters and I think that's kind of our job because you talk a lot about clowning and I wish I knew or clowns clown clowning yeah but I don't clown that um and I wish I knew more about it, but that idea of kind of going, that's sort of our job traditionally, I suppose, is to yes. go like, it's all nonsense, everything yes, we do. Yes, It's like, I'll hold it up as a big important thing and then I'll smash it on the floor as nothing. Absolutely, and I think that gets lost a lot of the time in comedy because people are so, you know, comics are so kind of, here's my thing, here are my jokes, yeah. and it's almost like that then becomes the, I, I don't mean that, I don't mean like mainstream in the sense of alternative mainstream, but the mm-hmm. thing which is presented has to be has to be presented spotlessly and well. Yes. You know, these are the jokes. This is the, <coughs> the, the humorous monologue. This is, this is my selection of really fast punchlines. Yes. And, and then actually, 
what that line does that you're talking about is is to then hold the whole thing up and go, God, aren't we all cocks? Do you know what I mean? Isn't this isn't this yeah. all? I hope. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. And to go. Well, just I suppose because I suppose I find it difficult to take myself seriously a bit and go. You know, it's it's a weird uh, thing, isn't it, to kind of stand up in front of people and go, Oh, you should listen to me. You, yes. I, you should you should listen to what I've got to say. It'll be interesting. Yes. Uh, and but so it, my instinct is. To but it's really good that you that you keep a live kind of. Um, uh, awareness of that because I think it's very easy for a lot of comics to go this you know this is the thing this is the performance yeah and you have to pay attention to it like I, I saw someone um, uh, fairly recently within the last three or four months uh, do some material about uh, it's kind of quasi political material about um, uh, religion and homophobia and the, home, oh, yeah. the inherent homophobia of religion and someone in the audience shouted out um, yeah, what about the Westboro Baptist Church? Like in an encouraging kind of a way. Oh right. Like you know, that, yeah. and, the, and the performer yeah. said, "I don't care about them." And you oh. sort of went, "Oh right, you know, this isn't." Is, oh yeah. What is going on here then? If you, are you just yeah. kind of tagging these words to get your joke across? Oh, it didn't right. seem yeah. like it was kind of breathing that's in that way. Something that um, that yeah that that I, I I have to remind myself is that I I feel like good uh, comedy is. You know, and that's always the the thing, isn't it? That we're all trying to discover, like, what is some, what makes something good and what makes something yes. less good. Um, and what I'm realizing more and more is that good comes from just basically talking about something that you genuinely feel is important or interesting or feel an emotion to, like, feel an emotion with it connects with you on some sort of level. Um, and, and what I aspire to do um, is is to be able to sort of go, well, I feel this. And to talk about it and, and kind of embellish it then with jokes and, and embellish it with kind of, you know, taking it on sort of weird tangents and mm. spirals in your mind. Um, that's, that's when it's more amusing. But it should always have a feeling of like, well, I really care about this thing that I'm mm. talking about. I and mean, maybe that's what came on stuff but with, with the guy you described. Sure. But, um, I, I think it should, uh, yeah, it has to connect with you. And that's why, for example, someone like Louis C.K., it does feel like he really does feel those feelings yes. and does you know feel angry about the way that people sort of like in, in the West don't communicate probably our language has lost yes. its form and he talks yes. about how energetic a lot of Middle Eastern languages are and you kind of go yeah that's probably that's, that feels like a really real experience and when he talks you know about like kind of having again that inertia of sitting around in his hotel room yes um, and how that you know it feels like it's something really important to him um, and so yeah it has to be based in something to, to make sense you can't I, for me I don't, I don't think it's enough just to go oh a thing yes like it has, you have to care about the thing sure you are piercingly honest I think in your observation stuff when you say for example you know I thought this would be a, a perfect opportunity for people to think well of me you know <laughs> or you guys you know like I mentioned before that line about judging people because I know how frequently I am judged yeah so is that honesty painful? Is that honesty difficult to say on stage? Well, I think it's the, it's the thing I have to like, remind myself of. Because like, all our instincts are to go, no, hide that thing that's true about you, make yes. yourself presentable. But actually, I have to go, no, I do remember pretending that I was an emperor as a child. And that feels weird, but it's, it gets a response when I'm, when I'm on stage, I think, because um, it's honest. 
and it's not and it's just it's surprising because it's not what I don't think anybody would expect sure. a child to say uh, you know if we're deconstructing that silly line uh, that uh, yeah that's 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 the thing of like to to push sort of deeper into one's self is uh-huh. the is what I I think maybe makes or might make me a better writer is if I keep my eye on the 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 really sort of personal honest stuff and I yeah and and I think um, yeah never shying away from that is probably what I need to keep aiming to do more of. <laughs> Let's talk, let's talk about the writing for a bit. Let's kind of home in on the okay. writing. Because you have some real diamond lines. Like I, the one that I was describing you to people in Adelaide before you came out was, oh, his opening line used to be, I don't know about you. Well, how could I? And that's <laughs> such a beautiful line. It's such, a, it's such a, a perfect and perfectly silly line. And there's another one that you said you just popped in the other day about like, uh, uh, going to high school, which is, which is where you take drugs. Yes, yes. Or uh, judging, oh, I know, I, I, I'm worried about being judged because I know that I spend a lot of time judging other people. Yes. Myself, you know. Yes. And so those lines like that, do, do, are those lines that you sat down and wrote or are they things that tumbled out on stage because you were in the right gear? Uh, I would say they, yeah, sort of tumbled out on stage. Sometimes I didn't even notice them. To be honest, the thing about, like, I don't know about you and how could I mm. just came out by something I just said once. Sure. Um, and it got a response, and again, I think it's 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 it, it takes such nurturing. But like you saying, like that's a really good line, yeah. really helped me to go. Oh, that's I can I should yeah. have more confidence in that line. Sure. And something that becomes a a, a, a joke, whatever that yes, means. Yes, okay. Saying. Yeah, um, yeah. Whereas actually, it was just me saying something. But uh, um, uh, yeah, and and with the stuff I'm doing at the moment, I found that I would do a lot of stream of consciousness talking often in front of a friend or my mum or okay. like people and that's that really in terms of feeling um, blocked uh, is that some, that's something you're doing at the moment yeah okay tell me about that that's fascinating and just sort of <clears throat> just just kind of sitting down with somebody and, and them going yeah that's just I'll just listen it'll be fine wonderful who is this person are they an, they're uh, not friend, another comic or a my friend Eleanor okay Eleanor oh Eleanor okay and then also um, I've sort of found myself reaching out to other comedians as well people like Susie Ruffle mm-hmm. who's a really good friend of mine mm-hmm. and Mae Martin who's a oh yeah I love him yeah um, and who are lovely people and we sort of do that a bit for each other and sort of go hey it's okay like to not be funny like you don't have to prove that you're funny all the time yes just talk about something and see if there's some funny bits in it some oh funny that sounds like a really fun and sociable way to yeah, create material it's really easy to get into your own head and to get very lonely yes because you stand on stage on your own and then you then people say like well you're are you writing new material and i think the difficulty is is that like it, i find i can't sit down and like at a typewriter and go sure. and then i did this and then i did yes, that okay and, but i can kind of go oh i'll talk about my alarm clock and <clears throat> why i hate it okay with no pressure to be funny you're just, yeah, just stream I'm just talking, about stream talking. Of talking that is fascinating and Brilliant. going like and not having any censorship and going well I don't know where I'll go and, and feeling that permission of um, of of kind of going we're you know it, you know we can talk about whatever we like and there's no rules and it doesn't have to be a certain way and as my friend uh, Eleanor said to me we were talking about Eddie Izzard and how great he is at sort of taking risks and messing up yeah. and acknowledging it and 
being silly, mm-hmm. what would we we'd say to a child, don't be silly, he embodies. Uh, and she describes watching him as like, it's like you've danced in his head for an hour. It's just like you've been on a, you've just danced in his thoughts for like an sure, hour when you watch sure. him. And I think that is kind of, again, a good comedian just kind of allows you to just come in and go, oh, well, then this happened and then this happened. And, and it's a real, yeah, and we forget it because, it, again, it's really difficult to fail, I think. We have this huge yes. pressure and if, if you, you know, the times I tried to sit down and write... Yeah, I've been horrible. Yes, God, um, they always are. I hate it. <laughs> and I think no one wants to acknowledge it. I love it. I don't want to do any. I hate sitting down and writing. Yeah, I hate it. I hate forcing myself. To, I, I think that was it. I think some people do enjoy that. Um, right. But I know that for me, it's always something I make myself do. Okay. And as a result, I spend a lot of time prevaricating, which is painful and anxious, anxiety-inducing, yeah, yeah. and/or doing it badly. Yeah. Where I'm kind of doing it, but I'm sort of not really enjoying it. And it takes an awful lot of that time to come up with one little slot where I'm actually doing it and flowing and enjoying it. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I think the way we naturally converse as, as humans, but loads of people are really funny when they're chatting to their friends because there's a yeah. human there that you're trying to make them laugh. Yeah, yeah. So why would, why would you ever sit down with a flat blank computer that you can't make laugh? Yeah, yeah. And, and do and that. just your sort of judgments and inner yeah. workings and my mum for example is is the person who has always encouraged m- me from like a very young age to watch comedy and I think has one of the m- most refined sense of humours really? I've ever been aware of and um, and so she's yeah so I really trust her instinct I mean it's, she doesn't work in comedy she doesn't write herself sure but um, I really trust her instincts and so kind of going around there and, and sort of talking about sitting in my mum's lounge and talking about chairs and talking about furniture and talking about what that it's an occasional chair yes. and then sort of developing a thing about that out of out of just talking was yeah just kind of you're just going to get an instant response and sure. that's our natural gauge but as well my mantra has become a bit more like just keep talking as well mm-hmm. like don't stop talking just always keep talking and never beat yourself up for getting it wrong people don't okay. ever write is this within the exercise yeah, and also a bit, talking. and also in like not always on stage, sure, but um, <laughs> just so keep talking, keep also. talking all the time. <laughs> um, but you know, if you're doing new material or you're doing like like uh, Mark at the Top Secret Comedy Club, yes, has been great at just sort of being really encouraging and going. And I turn up and go, I'm, I'm feeling like I just want to get on stage on this new material night and just talk about something I don't know about, like, and I, don't, I haven't prepared it. Is that okay? Yes, and you go, yeah, I'd love you to do that. It'd be really exciting. Sure. Um, and I have to force myself to go, it doesn't matter if people don't love this. Yes. Like, it doesn't always have to fly, especially if you're writing new things or you're trying something new. Sure. People should never be allowed to make you feel bad for trying something. Yes. Like, I, I sort of had to tell myself, like, the only thing that's bad is if... The, I'm always worried about boring people. Yeah. Like, never be boring. People told me, I think, when I was a bit younger. Okay. Um, and... And I so I'm always worried about like oh god if I say something that isn't funny they'll be bored and they'll lose interest and they'll hate me. But actually I go now no they haven't. The only thing that's boring is if you keep repeating the same stuff and you don't take risks. Yes. Taking risks you you can never beat yourself up for. And I, I have to consciously go like well that didn't work. But when I walk off stage I have to go it didn't work but I still took the risk and that's good and that's yes. fine and leave it yes. there. Like okay. don't ever go stupid idiot. Why did you try that? Why did you say that thing? Okay. Or why did you like why didn't you prepare better? I should have prepared more. Oh like, god, that's, that's all part of the litany I say to myself all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think a lot of us do and I yeah. think nobody well people do talk about it but yeah but we don't talk about it enough that like and actually I the things I really like 
uh, I really like it when, like the, the comedians I like and the musicians I like, when they make a mistake. I don't go like, oh, idiot, oh, God, forget it. I just go, oh, they make mistakes too. That's not yeah. Like, our job is basically talking about the mistakes we've made. So yes. the idea of making a mistake on stage should be okay. And you got my dad's always said, you can't please all the people all the time. And you can't. Like, you, it, you can go crazy trying, but you can't please yeah. all the people all the time. Yeah. Do you feel, this is going to sound a weird question, do okay. you feel talented? Um, uh, yes. Uh, in in that, um, I I don't want to answer this so that I come off well. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do, you see, do you see what I'm getting at? We're, we're talking yeah. about the things that one can do. You know, structures. It occurs to me, I've not asked anyone this before because it occurs to me that I spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about the processes, and oh, I suppose part of that. Is, comes from a, a desire to find a formula, some, to find a kind of a, a way of making any human being be really funny. Uh, because I probably, because I worry at some level that I need yeah, that formula, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but do Coca-Cola. you... Yeah, exactly, yeah. But do you, do you feel or do you recognise... Yeah, so answer, answer the question, we'll go from there. So do I think I'm talented? Yes. Uh, I have yes I have to, I I'm obviously I have to I'm not trying to ambush you and go oh Tom thinks he's alternative yeah what a prick yeah. I <laughs> boring I think yeah I think uh, again to reference uh, Eddie Izzard and I think the, the role models are really really important yes but that's a side issue but in his film Believe he talks about the fact you have to believe you can be an astronaut before you can be an astronaut yes like there's no use going like, oh, maybe I'll try and be an astronaut. Like yeah, you like, yeah, I'll yeah, be sure. an astronaut. Sure. And you have to go, I'll be a stand-up comedian. So I guess the talent is just in the ability to believe. And the talent is about, it's just having the, the energy to, to go back to it and to go, I will get better and it'll be okay. That's yeah. what the, the talent is actually that Persistence. Yeah, persistence. Tenacity. Yeah, tenacity, yeah. yeah. I was thinking that about courage as well. Like I always think like, well, I imagine courage has a lot to do with just not thinking. <laughs> so, you know, like, yeah. and talent maybe is to do with just... Not giving up. Sort of believing and really wanting to do it. Maybe yeah. that's it, you know. Uh, I, don't, I, don't really, I, I don't really believe in talent per se, I don't think. I think anybody can be good at something if they work hard enough and if they believe in themselves and believe in what they're doing and take, take themselves seriously. I think it's hard sometimes to mm. take yourself seriously because often we're discouraged from making mistakes and taking risks in life generally and, and often we're discouraged from entering into, into an environment that's creative to make our living when you've done A-levels go to university become a lawyer well you want to be an actor why don't you become a, uh, a barrister because of course they have to act yeah <laughs> <laughs> I definitely re- I definitely uh, remember that yeah. yeah oh why don't you become a, a, a teacher they're sort of performers aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. well yeah they are but it's not the same and uh, I like to have like become a barrister but it's like what the hell is a barrister yeah like at my school nobody was nobody was a bar- no one had a parent who was a barrister that was something that people did in, in Bridget Jones films yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah so uh, I, so going back to talent I think it's about yeah having that that desire to do it hmm. um, yeah I think yeah so in your writing you you how do you select 
subject matter about which to do the stream of consciousness talking? Do you sort of pick random oh. things, or do you? <clears throat> how do you select material and go? Oh, that's that's really me. I suppose that's the bit where you sit. That's the only bit where you sit down and actually write. Okay. You just go. Oh, I want to talk about ironing boards, and go. Oh, there's an ironing board in front of my face. That's why. I yeah. That <laughs> um, I, I think. Yeah, and then you go, and and just sort of something you might mention conversationally. You go. Oh yeah, I've got opinions about pylons. I didn't realise that. I should talk about yes. that. Yes, and I, I keep thinking, living with Jimmy, every yeah. so often he'll say once a day or every two days he'll say something. I'll go, God, write that down. That's really you. Yeah, I right. wish I had someone. I wish I had a little thing following me around, like a little oh. hovering robot that oh. could just go. When you say a thing that you don't even notice that's <laughs> naturally you, something could just go. Oh, by the way, that's that is really you. Sh- you. you should yeah, yeah, that, that is really you. Write that down. <laughs> you are funny. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. That is true to your persona. Yeah. <laughs> Remember not to worry. <laughs> I still like you, Stu. The talent is in the ability to believe. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so, sorry, let's, uh, we digress. But, um, but, yeah, so finding, how do you find things? What, what things, what, a different way of asking the question, what things strike you as being particularly Tom Allen things to talk about? Do you think you have an oeuvre? Uh, an oeuvre? I thought that's an, isn't that a French word for an egg? That's enough. Oh, Jimmy, uh, Stuart. Oh, oh, God. Oh, God. Fucking interchangeable. Terrible. Yeah, the other one. Um, oh, it's because you just mentioned Jimmy. And, um, oh, the other one. Oh, the other one. Uh, um, and no, I think it's important to talk about whatever you want. That's, again, another thing. Like, that's part of my, like, keep talking. Don't censor it. Like, if you want to talk, if I want to talk about football, I don't know anything about it, but I should still feel like I can. That's fascinating. Because I censor myself all the time. I I could never talk about football. I don't know anything about it. But I I could surely talk about the fact I don't know anything about football. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I... I mean, I'm saying all this stuff, and I'm sure that people listening to this would be like, what a fucking prick. I'm aware that... They they won't at all. um, uh, that well thank you thank and, you, and even if they do you. you'll never hear about <laughs> it <laughs> unless they tweet it at me but um, I, I I'm aware that I am very much like trying to understand what I'm doing and I'm very uh, like I, I feel very early on in, in my understanding of what I'm doing so I, I spout a lot of things which I found useful and I'm finding useful at the moment sure so I, that's, don't I think worry I that's exactly like what we're after I think I'm don't sounding like and what you must do in that circumstance <laughs> is do sure. this and everything will be okay um, I don't have any answers myself but I, I'm happy to sure. list what that's I, fine I we're just for. after your your starting <clears throat> point your system for, for fine but in terms of I, I get about, what you mean because obviously I mean, we're very similar in that respect I think we're both we both worry too much about how we're coming across yeah. that other people might decide not to like us and that we would then be lonely of course, yeah. of course. and then we'll be lonely yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, more lonely uh, I would be the correct uh, way of describing it for me but I think that um, yeah I think there's no I kind of think there's no hack topics actually there's yes. only a hack way of approaching it sure so um, I had one of my laugh my loudest laughs this festival watching the brilliant Celia Piccola mm-hmm a friend she, of the show oh, I bet uh, I, I didn't doubt it uh, and she was doing this thing about this routine about airplanes being on an airplane and airplanes have become a very hack yes. you, usually the go to thing is especially airline food airplane food sure 
But like, when, how do you? How often do you actually hear jokes about airline food? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. As well. And also, it's always like, oh, what's with airline food? But actually, I always quite like it. Yeah. But um, and, but that aside, but Celia was doing this stuff about being on an airplane, and I didn't clock it until afterwards. Uh, and because uh, uh, I was laughing so much, she was talking about how the cabin crew control the world. I don't want to give away her material, but sure. she was d- just being so hilarious, and I was laughing so. Like you know, when you really yes. laugh yes. at something, and just her, she was just being a, a brilliant person on stage, and I realised after that, that's it. She was doing an airline bit, you know, yes. and so you know, you could go, well, the airline stuff is done, but it's absolutely not. Like you can talk about air, air, airplanes, but you just have to talk about it from your perspective, and you have to be true to your experience of it and your eccentricities, on, on, you know, to surrounding it. Like there's no point trying to be generic and go, we all do this, don't we? I hate it when comedians do that, when they're like, ah, we all, we're all like this. And it's like, well, I don't know if you've spoken to yes, all of the world. It's interesting to see where, where one should place oneself on that, because I... Now we're using the word one. I, well, I don't, I'm not talking about you or I, I'm talking about one. <laughs> and I worked with, uh, one worked with, uh, <laughs> Lizzie Roper. Oh, on, yeah, on yeah. So yeah. last year, Prick, yeah. she directed that. And she, one of the many brilliant things she did, but she had very strong opinions that I should always be saying, uh, I, I do this, I did this, this is what happened to me, this is how I see the world. Oh, good, Rather yeah. than you know when you. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting, and I really tried to kind of tr- make that show in, within those, those parameters, and that was an interesting kind of thing. That, I think yeah. that's what I normally am inclined to do. Yeah. And then, funnily enough, seeing Jimmy, I really am uh, very impressed with the way that Jimmy talks to people about their own lives. Uh-huh. He tells us what we all do. And <laughs> yes. So I just think, let's just take those two kind of ends of it. There's saying, I do this, and there's saying, um, we all do this. So are you saying that you're much more on that, on the I end of the spectrum? Because I, I kind of feel like this, there's some weird thing in the middle whereby in saying, I do this, an audience might go, oh, well, I do that as well. Yeah, that's but, what, but it's sort of yeah. about how it's articulated, about how it's phrased, maybe, that lets people in or not. I, I, I guess it's, yeah, I guess it's a stylistic thing, yeah, and I think it's about, yeah, letting people, letting people in. That's the, uh, the other thing, isn't it? That, um, that, yeah, people have to be able to relate to it, even if you're talking about yourself, I suppose. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that... It's still a specific experience when Jimmy talks about it. It's still, he's still talking about his sure. experience of yeah. somebody on a, on a bus or somebody mm-hmm. on a tram or people in the park that he's seen. Um, but yeah I, d- yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, and I guess I actually, I'm saying like, oh, it must always be from oneself. But actually I know, I go, you know when, like, quite Sure, often. sure. Um, and I guess it's as well, like, it's presenting in a way when you, uh, when you go, you know when, but the audience has the option to go, well, I don't know when, but I'll... Um, but I'll come along with it I'll come along with it or like well maybe I do I'll decide in a moment let's talk about um, a couple of things to do with uh, technique something that Sarsky and I were uh, very fond of and ran away giggling about was um, what I'm going to call the Tom Allen rhythm of the rhythm technique you know we were were talking about specifically your line when you say um, I'm not that old uh, I'm not I'm not that old myself but my god I have Lived, and, that, and it was that specific. We were saying that to each other for ages. So it's it's specifically that kind of um, one, two, three. Mm-hmm, yes. that, you 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 do that quite a lot. I'm not I'm sure that's not a conscious decision. But let's just talk for a minute about rhythm and how how you use rhythm. Um, I well, I I mean, 
I don't know if I'm aware of it or not really because like I say I try and just talk uh, that's 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 basically what I'm doing but I suppose naturally things come out and I I sometimes wonder because I, I really liked music when I was at school and I played the piano and I did A-level music okay. and um, I think Victoria Woods said this once about how she often notates her set and I found that that sometimes there are certain ways that is that are the funniest like pitch to say a word or the okay. rhythm and so it does become quite melodic at times but I don't do that all the time I guess the rhythm thing is about withholding it's about being playful a lot of the time as well yes and going I will give you the information yeah exactly <laughs> exactly well, I feel like it it's very <laughs> so it's very thing. musical that's interesting to hear the Europeanist because that's um, that uh, that musicality is a huge part of it, and and obviously I think that one of the one of the one of the strongest uh, suits that you had when we all started, um, and something that really made you stand apart from a lot of other comics was your voice and the musicality oh, of your right. voice and the rhythm of your voice and the you know I mean that's the other thing that, that that I would use to describe you in shorthand is I always you know whenever I've described you prior to coming oh you're loving you're loving you've got this wonderful see this going to be velvety voice. Yeah, I mean, and you are you're, you're aware of that as a tool. I mean, you seem to be someone that really gets the most out of their voice. Um, uh, yes, I, I do like having my voice. Um, I don't. But that's, even that, you see, you you've got such a range of um, you can do like you can almost bend a note like a guitarist would bend a note. <laughs> yeah, well, listen back to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I find it very difficult to listen. To you know, voice, to, unfortunately, a sort of yes. a, a, a tremulous kind of well, you know, to, to signify that I feel uncomfortable about the question. <laughs> in a funny way like I, I suppose I do like, you, you've voice. understood everything yes, you've exactly. all the tricks it, well exactly I'm just stupid I'm just like everybody and you've got that stupid <laughs> oh, I'm such an idiot kind of thing like That's that it's, it's, it's such a broad palette it's really really rich oh thanks no. um, I think well maybe that's a, th- uh, a bit of a, a like being interested in theatre thing perhaps dare I say like I like the fact that a good storyteller can create the whole world for you and uses their just their voice really. That's yes. all they do, and um, and and just and uh, yeah. I, I once wrote a fan letter to Alan Bennett, and thinking when I'd written I'd written a play when I was like nineteen, and of course it was terrible. But it was about two people. And actually, I did quite like it, but it was about two people on a train, and um, and I was proud of it, and I'm proud of it. Now. Uh, and I sent it to Alan Bennett. Because I've always admired, I've always, and I think he's somebody who is is a is somebody who's always inspired me since I was a teenager. Again, one of those people, and, and his famous quote in the History Boys about good art doesn't matter when it was written can feel like a hand reaching out across the ages to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think is really true of comedy, and I think that uh, he he anyway he wrote back, which I didn't expect, and he wrote back on the back of a postcard of of a train, which I was amazed by, considering wow. my short little play was about people on a train and he said oh, okay. um, uh, try and, one of the tips he gave me was try and use different vocabularies for different characters so really kind of in, in, uh, embody that, those other people in your world and bring them to life and I think that's true that audiences like to see the richness of that world like mm. they don't want to hear it. it's really easy I think as a nervous person to go oh no no one wants to care about that I'll just get on with the just get the information across and it's like no we have to yes. all the details and all the, you know, the words that a particular person would use are things that audiences love because they're making they're, they're, they're making that world come to 3D yes. it's not just, just somebody yes. saying stuff and I think that um, yeah I, I think that's 
I don't know, maybe that was just a really long way of crowbarring in that Alan Bennett once wrote to me. But um, <laughs> No, I, I think I, I think mean that's... I say he wrote to me, he wrote back to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's absolutely right. That's and I, I think that what that makes me uh, think is that you you on stage bring so much that it's I, I, I keep coming back to the idea of richness that when you're on stage you are a very rich character with a lot of different levels and and you know that status thing we were talking about before you have a very rich tool which is your voice which is sort of very broad as well and you tell stories which have loads of detail and people do have their own vocabularies and things like that so I'm giving you 10 out of 10 as a comedian (laughs) I quickly became aware that didn't Um, end in a question but I do think that's what you do you present it's a real banquet of of experience thank you well thank you for saying that and um, I, I think that I should remember that and do, try and always strive to do that more and, and better uh, if, if that's the sort of thing that you like that people like <laughs> uh, but um, yeah I mean I, th- I think as well people like David Sedaris who I really like um, is, is is very good at you mentioned it before I'm embarrassed to say I I've not heard that, vo- that name oh really oh no. everybody's talking about it <laughs> uh, how embarrassing for me he is uh, an American short story writer who okay um, now I sort of made a thing of just not just, but reading his stories out right, in front of audiences right. and audiences. Okay. His fans go and love him. And he, he, I sort of tend to listen to his audio versions of his books as well, him reading them. And, uh, and again, it's about that specific experience that he talks about his world, how he sees his world. And, you know, being on drugs and working as a, a dwarf in uh, Christmas time in Macy's mm. and, uh, and, and sort of... I don't know what there's other peculiar things about like people things people have said to him and experiences he's had uh, it, it's so easy to go like no my experience isn't worthwhile people don't want to hear about that people don't want to hear about that thing I did but they do they do want to hear about that thing that you did they don't actually want always to just go oh yeah I'm safe I'm yeah I just oh yeah that's like me I'm the same sure yeah. I think people we owe it to people to take those risks and be specific here is uh, an odd kind of a paradox that I wonder sometimes if I am I'm trapped in, which is that I, I I notice that I really want to be liked. We've talked about this this that kind of uh, I would say for me at least compulsion, <laughs> um, and that's part of what drove me into comedy mm-hmm. initially. It's part part of it. I also enjoy it, you know. But also I, I want to be liked, so I want to do comedy. I recognise within comedy that I can only go so far whilst wanting to be liked. So in order to get better at comedy, I need to not want to be liked. But the reason I want to be better at comedy is so that more people <laughs> like me. <laughs> That's a kind of a... The, yeah. It's kind of a weird sort of thing that I am. What, speaking as someone who maybe came, came to it from that perspective, from a, you know, in an early kind of a way, do you see yourself as, as anywhere on that wheel now? Do, well, you, do you feel... And if you do, do you feel that you've, you've changed? I think that I didn't actually come to it wanting to be liked, strangely. I came to it feeling empowered by the people I'd seen as role models when I was growing up. Gotcha. And I came to it, and I think this is often the case when you start with something, I came to it going, well, I don't care if people don't like me. I know that... I sort of was, a, was very arrogant, I suppose, and went, mm. well, this is my experience, and I think it's funny. Uh, so I'm going to talk about me, and the right people will like it, and if people don't get it, then that's not my problem. But then what happened was... I think that people wanted to 
book me for things and I realised that actually do have to be a bit I did find myself feeling like I did have to try and please all the people all the time okay because I, I am felt, relieved because I started thinking that oh I've got this all wrong I feel embarrassed <laughs> no yeah. no no and I think that's but then I and I think that that is one of the things I found very frustrating and was a big part of my learning curve in the last few years um, since starting is that, is that yes there are times when you do want to please people but actually you, you don't like you don't need to like and I found that very empowering in the last year to go well you know what like I don't mind I don't mind if not everyone likes me and I feel like I'm more secure in myself as a human being yes so that I can go like I I don't need to get all my validation from standing on stage gotcha Um, and that I go well I have a life and I'm entitled to have a life with you you know you know in terms regardless of how a, a, a room full of people in a Sure. In a comedy club, think of and it, you, I don't always think that, but I aspire yes. to that. Yes. Are you are you pulling that off? Do you think more times than not? Are you happy? Um, uh, more and more so. Again, it's one of those things I suppose I'm striving towards doing. Th- those are the things that I think are the are one of those like skills that that I, I've I've realised I have to hone of just going. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay not to do well all the time. Mm. Uh, and I I think I'd rather be interesting than than than. Uh, bland and loved all the time sure loved by audiences yeah do you mean yeah Yeah. I still want the love of my family yes of course of course I'd say to them at Christmas I don't care if you like me or not I'm validated tell me if this is tell me if this is too personal and we need to talk about it but you mentioned before that you've never had a relationship yeah and you mentioned within this interview that a couple of times loneliness has come up Yes. Is that... I mean, <laughs> I mean, like I said, this might be sort of too... You, you, you know, we don't need to talk about this. Oh, but no, I'm happy to in, talk about it. In terms of your experience as an artist and what it, what it brings to your work mm-hmm. or, or the way your work affects mm-hmm. it. I mean, it's something mm-hmm. that can be... For a lot, of, uh, a, a lot of comedians, I think... I've got to stop saying a lot of comedians. For me, <laughs> you know, when, when you go out there and they all love you and it's great and then you walk off and it's just you. Yeah, right. How does that how does that feature in in uh, uh, your your challenges with loneliness? Um, uh, I I don't know. Um, I think it sometimes brings about a sadness in terms of. Um, I feel like I'm I'm probably being very self indulgent here, but uh, this is what I want you to be. That's why I'm oh. asked. Fabulous. That's why I want you on. Oh, good. Uh, well, in that case, settle in, folks. Strap in. <laughs> um, I find that I am... Um, yeah, that it can be really difficult. And I do sort of f- sometimes miss the idea of, oh, I, you know, that was a great show, but now I'm going to go back to my partner and carry on, you know, have that life, which is actually my life. And the, the stuff on stage is a lovely embellishment and it's the thing I do for work but actually my life is with this person and is, is doing the things that all human mm. beings do. And, uh, and I sometimes feel sad that I don't have that. And I pined for that for a long time. Uh, and, and I was like, oh, I wish I had a boyfriend. If I had a boyfriend, it would be okay. But then in the last couple of years, I just sort of kind of went, ah, oh, bollocks to everything. I'll just kind of be like, oh, well, I'll do whatever I want. And if I want to go out and have dinner on my own, I can do that. And there's no, like, there's no reason to feel self-conscious about that. And I've got friends I'm lucky I have great friends who I can hang out with and and just sort of get John Waters I really respect I just I'm throwing in all my inspirations did he write to you <laughs> he wrote to me a postcard <laughs> of my face and no he um, he said about 
how he's always been single. I read his book Role Models, and he said he's always been single. Okay. And that society has a real problem with it, actually. But he's like, I, I, I he says he's very open about like I have sex with people, mm-hmm. and I like having sex with people, and I'm connected to people. But I don't want anybody to be part of my life. I don't want anybody to live with me. I've tried it. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't suit me. And I think maybe there is. I don't know if that's necessarily. I don't know if I necessarily want to be single my whole life, but sure. I think it's interesting to kind of go there are all kinds of ways of living your life and that it doesn't always have to be like you get married you know you meet somebody a friend of a friend you go out you get engaged get married die there's some other stuff in between but so so yeah so I do do sometimes feel like it is a difficult contrast of being and as well you're obviously standing up on your own and you're talking at people so it's not always an interaction as a comedian so that can feel quite lonely and then you travel home or you travel you know you've been travelling all day on your own Mm. Um, and that's hard and that's why I think it's so important to surround yourself with um, positive things as I think Destiny's Child once said and you'll gain prosperity um, but I do really want a boyfriend. But I, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I, well, uh, you can tweet, uh, suitors can tweet at, at Tom indeed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel like I wanted to say something interesting there, but I, uh, I can't remember what it was. I can't remember. Okay. I'll put it on the stage. Thank you. And the, the last thing really that I, that I wanted to ask, because we've, we've done an hour or so there, and I should let you get back to your life. Crying, yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, is that we, we your, some of your stuff at the moment, you discuss gay marriage. Oh, um, yes, that's what I was going to say about it, actually. Okay. And how I realised recently that the importance of something like gay marriage and the importance of marriage generally, or it's a rite of passage like that, is that it links you to the people around you. And I think that's, the, that's sometimes the loneliness, I think, of, of one of the lonely feelings I think it's easy for a gay person to feel maybe is because when if you're a straight couple you're doing the thing your parents did yes. and then you know you maybe have children and that's what obviously your parents did yes. and so you're going through all these rites of passage and it's very validating because you mirror them which is something you do from the moment you're born you start mirroring your parents and it's very satisfying it connects you to them strong it makes this bond stronger yes okay and uh, and it makes the the bond you know, and you're repeating what people around your people around you are doing in, in the pack, and it connects you to the people. You know, in for the history of mankind, you're repeating something that they've always done, forming yes. kinship relationships, formalizing them, and having children. And I think that's that's something I wanted to say. Yes, I didn't really. Yes. Sort of wanted to say it on stage, but it's not very jokey. Well, I, I, that, that's we could just talk about that briefly. About um, do you do you consciously make an effort to talk about issues on stage or I mean not sort of politics or issues even with a big eye but you, you mentioned gay marriage and it's yeah um, I mean do you want to talk about issues on stage more less uh, or did you uh, uh, maybe more I think again it's one of those things that it's easy to feel naive about and go oh I can't talk about that because I don't know enough about it and there's a lot of in, in intellectual snobbery actually I think in, in all art forms and comedy has it to an extent too okay um, how, how do you mean as in, like, you can. F- it's easy to go, well, I can't talk about that because that's not my th- thing. Like, I'm not intelligent enough to talk yes. about that. I can handle that subject. Yes, okay. But, again, I think you can talk about it if you talk about your experience of it. So if you talk about your experience of the global economic crisis, which I was sort of doing some material about before I came out, of, like, mm-hmm. what is it? Does anybody know what it is? Sure, means? sure. Um, that... Uh, then, then you can. And I do... I sort of, anything that's important to you, you should be allowed to talk about it. The thing that stops me, I suppose, is that I feel like 
I'm not informed enough. I have a hang-up about being ill-informed. In, exactly, that's and, exactly what I'm... And so I think to myself then, what that makes me think is, oh, maybe I could do jokes about being ill-informed, but then I sort of think, I think probably a lot of comedians can easily do jokes about being ill-informed. And um, so then I get stuck in that mental sort of trap of going, well, I'd better inform myself. Oh, I haven't. I can't do this stuff. But like talking about your actual cerebral understanding of something mm. is, is, is interesting. Like, and yes, you can acknowledge... Okay. What is it, Aristotle? Was it Aristotle said he who knows most of all knows he knows nothing? It may have been him. Another It sounds Aristotelian. Another, an, another quote for people <laughs> to embroider. Um, I, uh, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I think kind of acknowledging going like, well, I don't know everything about the global economic crisis, uh, but nobody does. Sure. Like, the, you know, our political leaders don't. The head of the IMF doesn't. Probably, you know, doesn't understand it completely because otherwise they just take care of it. Presumably yeah. they'd solve it. He's got it, a cracking so tail on his cock, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it's fine to talk about things, but it's, again, it's a bit like when, to talk about Eddie Izzard again, but when he talks about, like, the evolution, of, like, the history of the world or the ancient Greeks, yes. I, you know, he probably does, I'm sure he does know loads about it, but yes. he sort of talks about his understanding of gotcha. that. And that's more fun because we get, like, a child's... It's, I think it's so much... Comedy is so much to do with being a child again and going... And undoing a lot of the things we get taught. Don't be silly. Don't mess around. Don't show off. It's undoing a lot of that and mm. going. Um, I, you know, it's okay to play when mm. often I'm not allowed to play. And you know, when when kids play, it's like anything's possible. And uh, you know, and, and a chair and a cushion becomes a spaceship, and a wall sure. becomes a house, and a rock becomes a key. And you know, and and we it's so easy to lose that and to go oh no that's rubbish that's stupid silly yes, childishness yes, I see. Um, of course a, a rock can never be a key why are you putting that into a wall which is not a house it's a wall um, because it's scary to use our imaginations I think and I think comedy can kind of make us go oh no I remember when everything was sort of magical and fun and oh, I just got married and you know that's what I did and, oh. and I think it's exciting that we can go no you can do whatever you want I'm generalising about the people who get married, but you know what I mean. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks man. So that was Tom Allen. I'm in bits. I love him. I just love him and I miss him already. <laughs> I think he is such a powerful presence on stage and such a fascinating comedian. Honestly, the, the stuff he was saying about the entitlement of artists to support is something that I don't think ever goes through my head. And it's so true. And uh, I, uh, I, I hope... I'm sure a lot of you would agree with that and, and maybe hadn't been thinking along those terms beforehand, as well as, of course, all, all his brilliant uh, uh, stuff and ideas and uh, advice about stand-up as well. So very, very pleased with that one. Thank you to Tom. Uh, thank you to Dal Melrose for the music um, and Graham Crockford for his technical assistance. Uh, and that's all the stuff. So, uh, yep, next week will either be... I think it'll be Felicity Ward. I'm nine-tenths certain it'll be Felicity Ward. I've got one in the can, so I'm sure I can edit that up in time. And that's a, that's a corker of an interview as well. Thanks for listening. I've been Stuart Goldsmith. Remember to get your tickets. 29th of May for Benny, Benny Boot. Um, that was me stammering. He's not changed his name. Benny Boot on the 29th of May in London at the Crack Comedy Club. Uh, you can go on their website, crackcomedy.com, or you can go to comedianscomedian.com for the tickets. That's the lot. See you soon. Have you heard the podcast? Uh, I've heard... You don't? It's not a test? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> 
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.